Welcome to the Joy in Medicine podcast series. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. And I'm Charlie Cummings. COPD. MRI. CT. PRN. You know, Elizabeth, medicine abounds with acronyms. And this month's Joy in Medicine podcast features one of them, MEPRA, M-E-P-R-A. We talked with Cinda Rushton, MEPRA's founder, about this program that she developed. You're referring to the Mindful Ethical Practice and Resilience Academy, affectionately called MEPRA. So tell me more about this program then. What are the specific skills that are part of it? MEPRA focuses on three things. The cultivation of mindfulness, which involves learning basic mindfulness skills. We have a daily guided meditation, 10 minutes, that includes also reflective practice where people reflect on what they're noticing in themselves, but also invites them to engage positive emotions of what they're grateful for. Here's one MEPRA graduate. I'm Jen Simmons. I'm a nurse in the surgical ICU at Hopkins, and I've been here, it will be 13 years in September. There's so many people I love and respect that really swear by meditation and its benefits. My feeling was always like, that's great. If you like this, I love it, but nah, it's not, not, not really my thing. I'm more of a grit your teeth and get through the tough stuff. Of course, things are going to be hard and you just have bad days and get through it, but it was the intentional stillness that really changed me. It brought this calm and this sense of personal control that was sort of missing from a lot of aspects of my life. I know I have that tool when I need it, that if I'm feeling erratic or if I'm feeling hyped up, I have this tool set that I can rely on to help improve me in any situation. How's it helped here? I'm a lot more patient. And another MEPRA advocate, I'm Jade Flynn. I'm the nurse educator for the biocontainment unit as well as a nurse clinician on the neuroscience critical care unit. MEPRA came at a time where I was contemplating leaving nursing just because of the emotional toll. One big thing that I came away with was gratitude. If I come away from a shift that was ugly, there's always something that I can identify that I was grateful for. And most of the time, it's my coworkers, the people that were in the trenches with me that day that were able to pull me out when I needed help. It gave me the license to take time for myself. Meditation was big. I always thought it was more like a hippy-dippy kind of thing, but it was more about having a conversation with yourself and the self-reflection about, okay, this is how you're feeling and that's okay. Taking deep breaths and noticing what you're feeling throughout your whole body and not really finding the answer right away of like, okay, I'm feeling this, but just noticing it and being like, okay, I'll come back to that later. Cinda describes another MEPRA building block. The second one is developing ethical competence, which includes the ability to recognize ethical issues, to be able to deliberate about them, to be able to think about what wise and compassionate ethical action looks like, how we actually implement the decisions. Embedded in both of those are some important skills around communication because nurses often know what the issue is, but they have trouble translating it into speaking about it in a way that they can be heard and their concern can be taken seriously and acted upon. I think we take values for granted until they're challenged, and then we have to explain what matters to us. So what we're trying to do in this idea of ethical competence is to clarify those values so that we know when I'm in a tough situation, I'm gonna go back to my anchor. I'm gonna ask myself, 
myself, what does respect require of me in this situation? To me, the seminal thought of this is the know thyself sentiment. I think medicine is both gifted by having people who have an enhanced awareness and at the same time challenged by having the need to become a complete person once you get over that hurdle and realize that it's part of the maturation process where you want to be as a physician that, that becomes better. Moral resiliency comprises the third MEPRA skill. The third part is the development of resilience. It's not only resilience in general, it's moral resilience, which is about being able to restore and preserve integrity in response to moral adversity, all kinds of moral adversity. Jen explains how resiliency serves her. If there's a situation with a family that resonates with something that's going on at home, it's going to pop up in ways you aren't expecting. But when you go through a program and it gives you training to recognize that change, that when your emotions are upregulated or when something biologically is different and you say, like, wait a minute, this cognitive process is hitting me on different levels in my body and you take time to address those, it is a lot less weight. Charlie comments. I think the moral resilience, resilience is a good word. I thought about it for a while and that's really a good word because it does allow one to digest the whole situation and then allows one to modify their beliefs. The fact that you can actually change from a previously endorsed assessment of a situation, that's good stuff. Cinda says personal history plays a role. Part of what we do in MEPRA is try to help people remember why they got into this work in the first place. What was that that brought you here? And how do you get reconnected to that? What is it that you intend to do in your work so that there's that sense of purpose? There's a resource in remembering that. It's that when things are tough, it can kind of help us have something to hold on to. Another question is important. What is the role of courage? Oh, yeah. It takes courage to go into uncertain territory. It takes great courage to challenge the status quo. I would say courage is the engine of integrity. You have to have courage to be who you really are. You have to have courage to do the right thing. You have to have courage to be accountable for your decision, to take a risk. The easy thing is to just put your head down and keep doing what everybody else is doing. It's not easy to be our values. A final part of MEPRA training involves a high-fidelity interaction with both a family member and a clinician in the simulation center, which impressed Charlie. The skeptic in me said, there's no way they can really do this unless it's battlefield conditions. I'm a believer now where I was a skeptic before. That is a real positive. Jen, too, appreciated the interaction. Having the space to practice digging into your core values and being able to speak from this place of integrity to say, this personally matters to me, is a way to flip things on that hierarchical scale that really gets anyone to listen to the message you're delivering, regardless of their position of power. It's a very humanizing way to talk to somebody Jade is using her MEPRA experience to create culture change. It's more of a grassroots approach. I started the WIN board. It's called the What I Notice board. I noticed that we start the shift or we go to one another and say, well, 
We have two beds open and we have 18 cases on the board. How are we gonna make this happen? And I wanted to change that record and say, okay, what else have you noticed? What I noticed was that Alicia made a huge impact on this patient's well-being today because she got her patient out of bed and walked her to the window for the first time in a month. To really look at the positives rather than the negatives, the pickups rather than the put-downs. And it's something to celebrate. Davis Darsh, a MEPRA graduate and advocate and SICU nurse, gives a recent example of MEPRA's benefits. I've always been a patient advocate, but MEPRA has made me become even more of a strong patient advocate for patients who are in situations, especially at end of life. And just the other day, we had a patient who I felt like there was a disconnect between the surgical team, the ICU team, the patient, and the family. The family really wanted to end life-sustaining measures. The patient also really wanted to go home and be able to die peacefully at home in his cabin in the woods. We all wanted that, but it was how are we going to get there? There was a procedure that needed to be done on this patient that the surgical team really thought needed to happen. Our team was kind of on the fence about, the patient was kind of on the fence about, but the wife didn't really think it was necessary. So just knowing that I'm empowered to go speak directly to the attending provider of the ICU and I said, look, I said, I think we're not on the same page here. I'm struggling with this internally. I know the wife is struggling with this internally. I think the patient knows what he wants, but I don't think he knows why he knows what he wants. And I think we need to make sure that we truly explain why this procedure is something that we think is going to get him home. We're not sure. It's possible he could die on the table if he gets this procedure, but we think it's the right thing. Even after explaining the possibility of death on the table, he was willing to take those risks and he ultimately was able to be extubated here in the surgical ICU and was able to go home and die at home. I think we all felt as a team, including the patient's family, felt better about the decision. MEPR gave me the tools to help better present the situation to the team. Cinda sums MEPRA's impact for nurses so far this way. Every single one of them wants to be able to practice in the way that they feel honors their values and has integrity for them. And when they can't do that is when they really feel the most distress. They're seeing themselves as being empowered to make changes to create the kind of culture that they want to practice in. That's the latest Joy in Medicine podcast, our music by Brian Garibaldi, something we deeply appreciate. This podcast series is brought to you in part through the generosity of the John Conley Foundation, which focuses on medicine and humanism.